Welcome to the Hot Spotting Real Estate Podcast. This is a bi-weekly podcast that talks about all things real estate with a splash of real-life topics. So tune in and let's keep it real. All right. Hello and welcome to the Hot Spotting Real Estate Podcast. I'm Mike Duhikian and this is episode five. And today we have Chad Afredi on the show. And Chad is a broker and managing director at Cushman and Wakefield out of Carlsbad, California. And he's a he graduated from University of San Diego, and Chad is a CCIM broker, and he specializes in retail leasing and investment sales. And Chad is married to his wife, Shonda. Did I pronounce that right? You did. All right. For 10 years, and he has two boys, eight and six. So your hands are full. <laughs> they are. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. You got him, my man. Um so let's start with this. How long How long have you been with Cushman and Wakefield? And give us a, a rundown on what you do there as the managing director. Yeah, so I've been um, with Cushman uh, for over 17 years. Uh, when I originally got into brokerage, we were a small privately owned shop um, called BRE, Business Real Estate. And then we affiliated with Grubb and Ellis. And we went through the iterations of M&A. And we are now Cushman and Wakefield and have been uh, branded as Cushman for probably four or five years now. Um, So I work with uh, there's five of us on the retail team here in San Diego. And we have a support staff. Um, so yeah, we, uh, we specialize in all things retail. So we handle, um, landlord agency leasing throughout Southern California. I think we have over 60 projects and we do tenant advisory work, uh, investment sales and, uh, ground up development consulting. So you've been with the same group, even though it's kind of changed, but, and now it's Cushman, but it's been the same group since you started. It has. Yeah. We've, uh, yep. My, my phone number has been the same for <laughs> over 17 years. It's just the, the branding has been the, the thing that's evolved over time. Nice. And uh, did you know that you wanted to get into real estate while you were at university of San Diego or was that something that came later on? Yeah. You know, it's funny. Uh, my senior year at USD, I had plans to move up to LA and, and get into the entertainment business. I was um, going to work with the talent agency up there. And I just so happened to have uh, a real estate class and a real estate professor who was kind of a mentor to me. And he inspired me to go get my broker's license, which I was uh, pursuing concurrently as I was pursuing a career in entertainment. And then uh, it just so happened that uh, a family friend uh, whose dad was a developer, a pretty prominent developer here in San Diego, ended up making me a job offer to go work for him. And it was an attractive offer. And that's kind of what put me on the track in commercial real estate. Wow. And it was always commercial, right? The professor wasn't no residential or anything like that. Always commercial. commercial. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I know sometimes in college, like you, were you already a real estate major at that point or were you a different major, just a business major? Yeah, just a business major, emphasis in finance and marketing. And, you know, the real estate interests came along uh, my last year at USD. Wow, that's great. And um, I know that, uh, let's, let's circle back for a second. So at Cushman and Wakefield, why don't you give us a rundown of what 
you guys do exactly there and what your managing director position does and give us a, some tidbits on the uh, retail um, the retail side of Cushman that you guys handle there. Yeah. So, well, generally speaking, I mean, Cushman's a, a massive company, so um, we're international, globally, publicly traded company. And, and you know, so here in Southern California, we have a number of offices. Um, we run up the San Diego County office for retail, and then we um, have projects in San Diego County, Inland Empire, Orange County, and that's kind of the the primary markets that we we work in. Uh, so our team handles agency leasing for about sixty retail projects and shopping centers. Uh, we have about five ground up developments that we're currently working on, and then we also have a stable of uh, tenant clients that we represent and help expand. And then we also uh, handle investment sales on the retail side as well. Nice. Now. On the tenant advisory, uh, I know you do that, and then you're very busy with the landlord stuff. Uh, which of the two are you more gravitated towards, um, or is it equal? Or what's your personal, you know, favorite to deal with when you're uh, within that genre of tenant advisory or landlord representation? Yeah, it's a good question. You know, I, I I enjoy both for for different reasons. I think on the landlord agency leasing side, uh, I enjoy. Uh, being part of a larger multi-tenant project, shopping center, uh, lifestyle center, whatever it might be, and kind of helping curate and upgrade the tenant mix over time, bringing new concepts into the center and, and that the you know community can embrace. Uh, so that that part's really enjoyable. Uh, just trying to be creative. How do we reposition an asset? Um, you know, maximize the value, and, and like I said, introduce kind of cool new concepts that the community can get behind. Um, on the tenant side, it's it's just great uh, seeing you know a lot of our tenant clients who've started off with you know one location working with us, and then have scaled to you know, in some cases over 30 and, 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 and counting. So that's been, that's been a lot of fun just to see, you know, the mom and pops of the world start off and catch fire and turn it into something really special and then do a private equity deal and, 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 you know, continue into the atmosphere. Yeah. It's always great to see those little, you know, one, you know, mom and pop, or let's say smaller concept, they have two units and then all of a sudden they just blow up and now they're, you know, regional chains or, you know, all over the place. So that's great. Yeah. It's the, the American dream, right? It, it really is. I've, I've been lucky to, you know, have one or two of those guys and they've sold off and, you know, we have a couple now that we're working on. So it's always fun to see that growth. Um, let's talk about some deals. Uh, what's the most exciting uh, development project that you've worked on, or maybe you're currently working on that you could tell us about? Yeah, well, I can touch on a, a couple of them. I mean, they're all kind of exciting for for different reasons. Uh, it, you know, with with any ground up development, especially in this environment coming out of a pandemic and and the delays and volatility with construction pricing and lead times, you, you know that that's been a challenge um, in and to itself. And and I think. Uh, you know, we have uh, the, the most of our development is up in the Inland Empire, and you know, I know we worked on a deal in one of our development projects at Winchester and Dominicone. That's been a great site just because it's in the path of growth. Uh, great intersection, about sixty thousand cars a day at that intersection, and you know, a tremendous amount of residential coming online right now. So it's fun to engage prospective 
anchor tenants and, and out parcel pad users in, in kind of help them realize the vision that's unfolding in front of us and, and sign up. And so that's been a good project. And we have another similar project in, in Cali Mesa, right off the 10 freeway in Cherry Valley. And that's been a very similar uh, process to the Winchester and Dominigoni development. Um, right in the path of growth, uh, a lot of infrastructure coming online, and it's just nice to you know be able to deliver daily needs, anchors, uh, restaurants, and service tenants uh, to the community. So those are uh, two fun projects. We've been consulting on a, a major project here in San Diego that uh, will be a mixed-use development. It's probably you know, five years out still, but it's got a large entertainment component. It will have high density residential, retail, restaurant entertainment. Uh, so, you know, it's it's always fun to get in early on on those visions and, and contribute where we can and see those come to fruition down the road. So that's, that's uh, always been an enjoyable part of development, but it, it does take a very long time as we all know. Yeah. Do these uh, developers... Are they developers that you've worked with before or are these guys that just come to Cushman and say, you know, we have an idea at this intersection, we want some advisory on it? How does how does that work? Um, yeah, each project is case by case. We certainly have relationships with, uh, you know, retail developers that we've worked with in the past and, and worked on other projects with. And then uh, in some cases, they're, they're entirely new groups that are coming into the space that we help consult for. Nice. And then... What are some things that you've seen that have become uh, part of a deal that weren't a part of a deal uh, prior to the pandemic? Because I know, you know, the pandemic hit, it was kind of a standstill, but then it just started just upward skyrocket busy. You know, everybody's still moving along. Um, like, I, honestly, a lot of people are saying they're busier than they were before the pandemic. So um, what are some things you've seen that have become part of a deal now that were not there prior to the pandemic maybe on a development uh, design or even like in an actual deal. Um, what are some of the things that you've seen that come up within that, you know, realm of the pandemic? Yeah. Well, it, it's interesting in the first, you know, four to six months of, of the shutdown, uh, the first part of 2020, you know, there was no playbook for this. And I remember we were all working from our homes and everybody was frantically trying to communicate with one another and understand where this was headed. Nobody really knew. So, it, it, you know, there was a lot of anxiety from everybody across the board, obviously, in our industry. And I just remember being on multiple calls every day, trying to see what one group has been doing with their existing tenant base, if it was a landlord, or how tenants are handling certain situations if they're shut down. So coming out of this, uh, I think the one thing we learned early on is that communication uh, between landlords and tenants and, and, and landlords with their lenders uh, was paramount. And, you know, I saw in some cases, people just kind of put their head in the sand and ignored what was going on. And that was not the right decision. So if you were able to communicate with your tenants, landlords, lenders early on, I think everybody was able to benefit and come up with some sort of reasonable solution uh, to work through this mess. Um, so uh, coming out of the pandemic, specifically the, the tenant users that were most impacted by the pandemic, uh, restaurants, uh, health and fitness, I've seen, and I'm sure you have, a, a lot of new language get introduced into LOIs and leases where it 
contemplates forced shutdowns, forced government, you know, government mandates and, and, and limited occupancy. So if the tenant can't perform um, in a normal business environment, then there has to be some sort of structure where, you know, either a, a term is extended and the rent is discounted or abated or they go to percentage rent. And so every Every negotiation is is different, but that language you know, I see now more than ever, and hopefully we don't have to go through another forced shutdown. But who knows in this environment? So I think everybody's just trying to insulate themselves, since you know a lot of this wasn't covered under force majeure clauses or insurance related step in, and and there was no you know obvious solution early on. We're trying to create language to to protect individuals and businesses coming out of this mess. Yeah. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, you know, I've seen that language also be related, uh, you know, inserted in relation to the permitting process. Cause a lot of people, yeah, when you're open and, you know, if you have to shut down, that's one issue, but there's also the issue of, you know, the city jurisdictions not being able to kind of move fast enough or, you know, get approvals done quick enough uh, during an entitlement period, which is like, you know, the main juice of a deal, you know, that time frame for you to get plans, permits, et cetera, to get built. Um, I've seen that language um, inserted there as well. Have you been seeing that as well? I have. Yeah. And in and, and every city is different, but I think the common denominator is that uh, things are much slower going through the city and the permitting process. And, you, you know, every tenant that's going in for TI plans needs to understand that early on as early as possible, even when negotiating an LOI, if, if they can, um, you know, permit expeditors are, are always a valuable resource to, to utilize. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's it's. I think we've seen a lot more of our landlord clients provide latitude and and grace if they recognize that their tenants are doing everything in their power and and taking all necessary steps to secure permits. I think there's been a little bit more latitude, which is good to see. And I think it's just how you have to operate in this environment right now. Yeah, I agree. I think landlords. Um, I've I've ran into some landlords who don't get it. Uh, but a majority of them get it and they want to get the deal done and they understand that there's things that are out of the control of the tenant. Um, so they've been working on them. So that's good, you know, in a sense. You know, hopefully, um, I agree with you. I hope we don't run into this for much longer, but it looks like, you know, the language itself is here to stay. So we just have to build it into, you know, our LOIs and our deals. Um, I agree. One other question, and you guys do a lot of ground up development stuff. So, um, have you seen a trend where, you know, usually when you're doing a ground up development, the anchor comes into play and then the pads come into play. And now has that trend kind of shifted where developers are kind of more inclined to kind of do the pad deals first and then get some anchors in, et cetera. Cause you know, the growth is definitely happening in the, on the pad sites with gas, fast food, et cetera. Um, is that something that's been going on that you've seen on your developments? Yeah, absolutely. Um, those two development projects I mentioned earlier, um, that's kind of the approach we've taken in the formula is because there is so much out parcel pad demand from the uses you mentioned, car washes, gas stations, financial even, and, and obviously all the fast food and cafe concepts, that's been driving a lot of this development forward. And then you know, I think concurrently, we're obviously marketing to the anchor tenants, but they've been a little bit slower to respond 
and it, it's it's kind of you know being reverse engineered as it as it you know was back in the day when you'd secure your anchor tenant first and you know have a neighborhood anchored center um we're, we're definitely filling up and taking advantage of the demand for all the uh out parcel pads out there i mean i feel like every every food concept came up with a, a drive-through prototype <laughs> during covid it it's true and i, I mean i'm they they had to adapt and a lot of them did and you know the patio is also very important now uh but the drive-through guys just really thrived throughout this process especially um you know areas where there was a lack of drive-throughs you know so um and a lot of cities have been more lenient on allowing drive-throughs come in because of this whole situation so that's a good thing um well great i mean I know you're really busy and I wanted to uh, kind of ask you some more questions um, on a get to know you basis. So what I have as a part of my show, uh, my five-year-old daughter has pre-recorded some questions that we're going to ask you. So um, you <laughs> I, know, I, I kind of get her involved and you as a dad, you, I'm sure you'll enjoy it. So I'll go through the questions that she'll ask and uh, let's get some answers. Here we go. What are some of your hobbies? Some of my hobbies? Um, so I like to snowboard and I enjoy playing golf and pickleball. In fact, uh, some friends and I, as a product of the pandemic, uh, started a pickleball company. So we, um, we sell pickleball paddles and apparel and, um, and I also played the drums. So pickleball is the short net, um, heavier ball, or is it a heavier rack, a smaller racket? Yeah, so you, you play with a wiffle ball and you've got, um, yeah, like a solid, smaller paddle compared to a tennis racket, but it's it's fun, um, it's fast-paced, and the games are relatively short. I feel like any yeah. skill level can really enjoy it and have fun out there. Yeah, I think um, I've seen some on social media, but I don't know if they're, but they're in like this glass cage. I don't know if that's pickleball or not, but they get pretty intense in there. Well, I think that's racquetball if they're enclosed in glass. But, it, played that but it's too. but it's two it's two on two. Um, oh, is it? Yeah, yeah, oh, maybe. Like, yeah, I haven't seen that. It's like a two on two, and they're it's crazy. Like, and there's like a door, so they can even go out the door and hit the ball. It, I'll oh, send wow. I'll send you a link to, to it. It's pretty interesting. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. <laughs> All right, let, let's dream. hear let's hear your next question here. Where's your favorite place to vacation? My favorite place to vacation. Ooh, that's a tough one um it changes throughout the years but i, I would say hawaii is always a, a fun family trip to take yeah that's a pretty common uh common answer hawaii especially yeah. when you're with the family <laughs> all right here we go for the next question do you have a favorite sports team do i have a favorite sports team uh well i was a chargers fan but they left san diego so um i, I would have to say probably the san diego padres there you go so even the set, I mean, they're still the Chargers, but as they're not yeah. in San Diego anymore, so you're done with that team? Yeah, trying to distance myself emotionally. <laughs> I still follow them, but yeah. it's a sore subject. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's the last question for you. What's your favorite food? My favorite food, pizza, without a doubt. Wow, easy, fast. Yeah. A lot of people ponder on that one, but you're ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> nice, man. Well... I really appreciate you taking the time. I know you're very busy with your schedule and uh, you're one of the very busy brokers uh, throughout San Diego and the Inland Empire especially. So I really appreciate you taking the time to get on the podcast and hopefully we can have you on again, my man. Yeah, I would love it. Thanks, Mike. You got have it, a man. great day. You do the same, my man. Bye-bye. All right, take care. 
Just a reminder, please take the time to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a rating and review. It's greatly appreciated. You can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Hot Spotting Podcast. If any listeners have any questions or topics they would like to hear on the show, or if you simply want to connect, you can email me at mike at hotspotproperties.net. Once again, thank you for listening. It's been real.